Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios, it's time for Women in Motion. Brought to you by WBEC West. Join forces, succeed together. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Women in Motion, brought to you by our good friends at Webeck West. So excited to be talking to the ladies we have. Today's topic is putting food and beverages on our tables, and we have some experts in the food and beverage industries excited to be sharing what they're doing and uh, just their knowledge about the industry. Today on the show, we have Rhonda Buznardo with Caesars. We have Verona Tang with Little Jasmine and Arroyo Kitchen and Cindy Convery with Pure Wild Co. Inc. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you very much. So to kick off the show, I'd like to go around the table and get each one of you maybe to share the elevator pitch of your company. Cindy, why don't we start with you? Oh, thanks, Lee. I'm Cindy Convery. I'm based in Ojai, California, and my company is Pure Wild Co. It's a wellness company that makes collagen-infused products like functional beverages. We're in about a 1,000 retail markets in all 50 states. The first ever collagen-infused low-alcohol wines, which I love, and collagen supplements that were formulated to support women recovering from breast cancer and autoimmune disease. Verona? Yes. My business, Little Jasmine and Ariel Kitchen, we are based in Los Angeles, California, and we are specialty food business. The concept of the business is we want to try to put international cuisine on your home table, as well as some unique uh, natural essential oil, a non-food item. And we are currently uh, distributing our items nationwide, about two, 3,000 stores, and which including mainstream and chain Kroger's, as well as ethnic markets. And we have unique items such as uh, organic seaweed. And we also have premium oolong tea, as well as we have a fruit bottle tea. And we are still developing a more uh, unique and fusion items to our consumer. And Rhonda, do you mind sharing kind of a little bit about Caesars and your role? Yeah, uh, my name is Rhonda Buznarda. I'm the director of strategic sourcing on the food and beverage side. Basically, I'm finding the the best food at the best price to bring to customers at our restaurants and give them the best food experience across the nation. Great. So I'd like to kick off the show today to talk a little bit about health and a healthy diet. How does just kind of the overarching trend towards a more healthy diet impacted each of your businesses? And let's start maybe at from the largest enterprise, Caesars. Rhonda, why don't you start with you? And how important is kind of this healthy lifestyle in the choices you make? It's actually very important to Caesars. We are obviously looking to bring the customers and consumers what they want, but we do that in the cleanest and healthiest way possible. Uh, One of the trends that we're seeing is health foods and plant-based items, Um, it's actually becoming more and more important to the consumer as they get more educated on health and and what we put into our bodies. So um, we try to, you know, match that and always have those options on our menus um, for the people that are health conscious. 
Cindy, can you talk about how important health is to your firm? Sure. Actually, I was just working on this pitch because I'm a member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma, and Pure Wild is the only certified Native American woman-owned brand in food and beverage with national sales. It's a very small world. Um, And the company was financed by the Bureau of Indian Affairs, so it's very much you know, very much supported by Native American world. And I started the company because my mother was born in the Choctaw Nation in a house with no running water, a true and true, very true food desert. There were no healthy choices. So I grew up in a in an environment and a family that didn't have access or or education really about healthy food. So, you know, that was my foundation for starting the company. And then in June 2020, when I had my first products, it was the height of COVID, I emailed Erwan Markets in LA, seven stores, or I think there are more now, but I emailed at eight in the morning and at noon, they got back to me and brought in all of my functional beverages, you know, that quickly because COVID was just driving that wellness, desire for wellness. And what I've learned by expanding across the country is that really that middle part of the country is is just really hungry for healthy choices. You know, it's my sales are much higher in the Midwest, in fact, which I think is really fascinating because you don't consider, you know, wide open spaces as big places to sell cutting edge wellness products. It's it's an education. Verona? Yes, um, health eating, health diet is so important for me. And uh, what we want to present here um, is a food that is healthy, but it's also delicious. So uh, what, I, I'm, what, what I'm trying to do here, we, we are providing a really transparent ingredients. And also uh, we do, we try not to compromise the flavor. Um, most consumer will think if it's a healthy, healthy product and delicious product usually doesn't have the equal sign and we kind of want to close that gap. So we try to, um, we try to uh, manipulate the ingredients and uh, bring uh, fusion items that is healthy, um, delicious, hop and, and, and the delicious is also important. So people can continue and, uh, and also wanting to eat, um, healthy food. Not only just if they just think about healthy food, but it's not delicious. Usually people will not be, um, people cannot last. This consumer will not, not keep buying the same food. So, um, so that's our more, um, purchase, um, uh, approach. And, uh, I personally think that is, um, very important. So let me put this out to the group. How can kind of emerging or smaller brands compete with the larger players when it comes to, um, quality, high quality, healthy ingredients? Like how do you differentiate yourself and how do you position yourself in this very competitive world? This question is for me, right? Sure. Anybody could start. Go right ahead. Yes, because um, this is a great question. So first, I like to um, really be transparent um, to our ingredients. Little things here, there, you know, no corn syrup, no fructose. Um, like we have our bottle fruit tea and it is sugar added, um, but it's limited and we use canned sugar. So it's still flavorful and delicious, but the ingredient is pretty clean and natural. Things like that. And also we want to differentiate ourselves um, that how we uh, investigate uh, our manufacturer that we work with uh, worldwide. We work with, uh, of course, manufacturers in the United States. We work with the uh, manufacturers in Taiwan, 
Uh, we work uh, with manufacturing in Italy, in Europe, and uh, we do an audit uh, once, twice a year. And so we know exactly how, um, what kind of product we bring to our consumer. For example, that we just launched that high-end oolong tea and everything, the sourcing, everything is the tea farm. Um, from Taiwan, it's a small, um, it's a small lot. So we see all the quality control and we know the ingredient where they come from. A lot of time that when we um, buy food, um, which of course we see the label, but it's not all the label and uh, um, stated that where the ingredient come from. And the ingredient is something which is very important. And so we are really, um, we, I personally, um, emphasize on the ingredient and the origination and everything that how we can put everything together and differentiate ourselves is delicious and is healthy enough and with a premium quality. Mm. Lee, um, I think my experience with customers and with differentiating a small brand to a large corporation, you know, there's obviously the financial challenge because I don't have the marketing budget to compete with somebody that's got five to 10 million in venture capital or a Coca-Cola type, you know, brand, which it's not our category anyway, but um, they do have a healthy options they're trying to sell. But my experience is that Customers are really looking for that individual, individualized brand where the founder really knows the product and really is targeting that particular customer by understanding what that customer needs. You know, I, I founded my product based on my needs. It's a collagen product. I was really looking for a clean wellness choice. There wasn't one. My products are the only certified non-GMO marine collagen drinks. They're the only clean label drinks, meaning five ingredients or less. They're sustainably packaged. We don't use any plastic. And my customers, you know, really respond to that. I get personal messages all the time. And, you know, it's like a friend group almost. It's, it's a little, it's really fun. But I think, you know, that's the difference with small brands is you really have to connect directly with your customer um, one, one story is I, I just went into Sprout. So that's our largest accounts, about 400 stores. And I didn't see any sales in the only Sprouts in a town called Hibbetsville, South Carolina. So I went on Instagram and I found a micro account. You know, it's like 2000 followers. It was a clothing store fashion account. And I messaged them and, you know, we talked about the product. And the next day, the store in Hibbetsville, South Carolina was sold out of Pure Wild. So, you know, it's that kind of outreach that starts a nice grassroots connection that I don't think the corporate companies can really compete with or connect with. And and that's great advice for uh, the small to mid-sized business owner. You have to do some things that maybe aren't scalable for these larger firms. And maybe these larger firms are automating some of the things that you're doing individually and creating those human-to-human relationships that are really giving you that traction in some areas that are helping you get the momentum so that you can kind of grow based on all those individual touches. Yes, that's what that's exactly what happens. I mean, yeah, I don't know how to scale that, but at least it's fun. I mean, you know, at least that part makes it enjoyable. It's not like a chore, but it is it is challenging to try to scale that connection. 
Now, Rhonda, can you share a little bit about your view of things from that enterprise level? When you you partner all the time with these small emerging firms, what are some of the things that they're doing to stand out, to get on your radar, and to um, give you confidence that they can deliver what you need them to deliver? Um, Well, I always encourage all the small businesses to um, go to trade shows. Uh, And even if it's a show that might not be specific to your type of brand or product, it's good to get out there and meet new uh, possible customers uh, like us. You know, a lot of people think that we're looking for a certain thing um, when you just never know. We have so many different uh, types of restaurants and stores and um, little breakfast areas or what have you. There's so much out there. So it's always good to just get your items out in front of uh, the face of the right people I really like when there's sample there or information on what the vendors have so that way I can bring that back to my team. Now, um, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about maybe the food industry as a whole. What are some things based on your kind of lens of the food industry that you would like uh, the industry as a whole to be doing a better job at? Where do you think there's room for improvement? Hmm. I definitely think there's room for improvement in the retail world with smaller brands um, for larger retailers to try to support smaller brands and, you know, frankly, waive some of the slotting fees and the types of things that that small brands can't afford to get on the shelf. You know, I think that's it's a little on my level egregious for a, a chain to expect a small individually on brand to pay a slotting fee. So I would love to see, and they, and they do, and I must say they do talk about it and there are uh, webinars and emails and all kinds of outreach about it. But bottom line, when it comes down to it, there's always a fee. So um, I would love to see them put their money where their mouth is, you know, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Verona, what's your uh, view of this? Yeah, you know, Cindy just said, I just had a meeting prior to this one, and we were just talking about those fees. So my buyer was wanting me to um, to put more um, promotion, no fees. And I think, uh, yes, uh, I think a continue what Cindy said, like uh, for some of the distributors and uh, um, they score um, each vendors and uh, based on how much we support uh, their program. And I think we have to have we have to meet at the middle ground that by supporting their program, if that is also supporting our business, somewhere in the middle will be really reasonable that uh, uh, if they are expecting me to put a half million on their um, promotion ban- banner, which I only have three DC three distribution center, it does not make quite much sense. So I think when they design uh, those programs, maybe I think they can have a chart like based on the company scale and they set up uh, a requirement. I think that might, then we can all play the um, fair game here. I think that's what uh, um, I just, I just experienced it this morning. And uh, also um, I think that's a bigger picture is um, I think 
I don't think we have too much control on that, but uh, the trend of the food business um, I see sometimes is um, is misleading consumers, and uh, that I mean, of course, going to each consumers, but how they promote like. Many years ago, there was the acting diet and then keto diet, all those things. And uh, um, I think um, as a consumer, we also need to know how to choose the correct product for each individual. And uh, Cindy said earlier, mentioned it here, each individual customer is different. And of course, it doesn't mean this particular food will match to my body constitution just because it's, it's, it's trendy. So I think those things we have to find a balance and maybe more, um, more fair, like uh, educational uh, medias out there and that we can um, share um, our opinions. Rhonda, where are you seeing the industry as a whole and where are there room for improvement? Um, you know what, for me, it's a lot different on my side, because I'm technically, you know, buying from vendors like uh, these ladies. And uh, really, it's just being able to access the product and get the product that we need at the volume that we want to, um, you know, that we need it. Uh, it's been very busy, uh, even with inflation and everything else. And just having the products in-house to be able to provide the customer the experience that they're looking for has been a challenge for us. Yeah. Um, Leah, I have a question for Rhonda on this subject. Do you mind? Sure. Go right ahead, please. Uh, So Rhonda, you know, we're in, in hotels as well as grocery stores and there are absolutely best accounts. You know, they don't charge the fees. They pay on time. They're supportive. You know, it's a unique product. So, you know, quite like spa hotels like the Ojai Valley Inn or, or Montage Shieldsburg or something like that. And it's such a different experience that, I mean, at least once a week, I just think, why don't I just do hotels? You know, why are <laughs> doing it? Yeah. Right? Because it's so, it's, it's so much more pleasant, frankly, I must say. Yeah. Do you, what do you think? I mean, do you have any thoughts about just that general direction? Yeah, I mean, it's a big industry. Um, hotels, casinos, you know, people don't realize too, you know, you have a casino. Most of the casinos also have a hotel connected to it. So casinos and hotel industry is is its own thing. And yeah, I mean, you're not having to pay those overhead charges the same way that you would for a regular retail store. So um, I don't think that that's a bad idea. You know, I, I wouldn't suggest giving up on the retail just because you want yourself out there um, and available to consumers, you know, if they're trying to find you. Um, But it's definitely a a great opportunity to go and look at. Yeah, I almost feel like the retail aspect is just for branding. It's just for marketing. Yeah. The on-premise would be the profit because our our best account is frankly a mob casino, the San Manuel Casino. I think it's just casino in California. And, you know, we have a native product and casinos are native owned and all of that is a good fit. But um, yeah, I just think that our retail is going to end up being a big advertising ploy. Yeah. And I mean, you don't want to pull it out completely and then have a customer see you in a hotel and want to go be able to bring that to their home and not be able to. So it's good to be out there, um, you know, still and have your footprint, I guess, in the retail side. So you don't lose that. But 
um, if you look for a bigger part of your business being the hotel side um, and casino side, that's that's always a great way to get out there too and deal with less of the retail hassle. And and what trade shows? You mentioned going to trade shows. What trade shows would you recommend for that um, market? Um, I actually, a big one that I always promote that I go to is Market Vision. Uh, market Vision is just about the entire market and the food industry. It has everything from paper products to food, beverages. Um, and it's a really great show that brings you together with a lot of different people from all over the world. They have two um they have two shows. They have one on the East Coast and one on the West Coast. So if you prefer, um, you know, depending where you live to stay closer to home, you can choose one instead of both. I go to both of them. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of big uh, casinos and vendors out there. Um, and I also go to partner summits. So um, look into group purchasing organizations. They have a, a lot of benefits for vendors. Um you know, and I can provide you with more information offline if you'd like. Uh, we can talk more. Oh, yeah, I would really appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, Rhonda, can you explain those group um, things you just mentioned? Like, what does that mean and, and um, what is its mission and purpose? Uh, yes, group purchasing organizations are organizations that hold um, contracts with vendors. Um, and then if you're a member of that, then you get the benefits of their pricing and, you know, there's a lot of other things that are tied into it. Um, you know, if you're a member of those on the vendor side, you get access to all the members that are customers, like the casinos, the hotels, the restaurants and all of that. Um, and then for me, I have the benefit of having the pricing that is a group pricing that brings it down for everybody um, and be a part of the programs, um, you know, that they have, that they house within their, within their contracts. So are their vendors usually the biggest players or are they also those smaller emerging brands as well? No, they have, they have a lot. I mean, they obviously have a lot of the bigger players, but anyone I'm, you know, sure the smaller vendors can also be a part of it. There's a lot of smaller vendors that, I've met through group purchasing organizations. So it's definitely something that I would look into if I were them. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Verona, are you part of any of those? Um, we do trade shows a lot. So I joined the trade shows with uh, um, my distributors and as well as we go to the distributor shows, such as like a Kehi shows, um, we do fancy food show, we do natural product expo, and we sometimes go to those uh, ramen expo that's for ethnic markets. So yes, we do. Um, we do join a lot of the events. Now, have you found a good strategy when you go to these events? How do you get kind of the most value out of attending or participating in one of these events? I think we need to focus on the items since we have over 30 items, SQs. I think depending on the show, we need to know the niche and we need to not to try to present everything. I think we need to target consumer and uh, present uh, just a few items there so that way we can focus and of course, we also, um, so people can try our items, see the package, and uh, know more. And from there, we can, you know, expand the business. Cindy, how do you attack these events? Uh, well, because I'm part of the Native, you know, food organization, it's called Intertribal Agriculture. They actually 
pay for attendance to some trade shows. So those are the ones I've been able to go to. And one, I don't know if you'll be there, Rhonda, but it's America Food Restaurant Show in Miami in September. You know, so anyway, I've been able to go to some of the shows through this group, but they're not necessarily the shows that are going to serve the product. And I, I don't know. They randomly choose the shows. And um, I went to Expo West, you know, and had to pay for that. But again, you know, it's ten to $15,000 to attend a trade show. So it's this challenge of there's like a pain point when you start a new brand where you can grow really rapidly locally. And then when you want to expand, you have to have venture capital, but you don't get venture capital until you've expanded. So it's the whole chicken and egg um, dilemma that I think everybody goes through. And trade shows are part of that chicken and egg <laughs> chase that I'm in every day. So it's oh, a lot yeah. of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just keep going to whatever ones they send you to because you don't know who you're yeah. going to meet and who can maybe get you in some other shows. So it's yeah. kind of like running into the right people at the right time and uh, just getting your name out there and continuing to do that. Um, especially if you have the Indian reservation and casinos and things like that. Um, you know, a lot of them can just be your foot in the door to a bigger part of the corporation too. Yeah, they have, yeah. you know, the annual casino show. I don't know if you go to that. There's an East Coast and a West Coast one. Yeah, I I usually stay away from that one because it's more gaming and I try to stay oh. away from it as much as possible. Oh, um, yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure if it was a fit for food and beverage. I get enough. Yeah, I get enough of the casino life, so. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> now, Cindy, have you had the benefit of any mentors, uh, anybody that, or any group or organization that's helped mentor you in this venture? Yeah, actually, I have a fin. Well, I've had some mentors that, you know, some of the advice was valid and some of it didn't apply. So that was, you know, just, just along the way. But the mentor who really made a difference is a woman named Sandra Velasquez. And she started a beauty company that's a Latin, Latina focused consumer. It's called Nopalera. And man, she just like hit it out of the park. She she launched in 2020. She got almost three million in VC the next year. She's, I think she's looking at four hundred four million in revenue this year. You know, from making soap in her apartment in Brooklyn. So she uh, worked in distribution, which was one of her big secrets. She worked for Van Leeuwen Ice Cream, and she worked for a beauty product called High Bar. So she, what she did was she went in and worked for other companies, kind of like when you want to open a restaurant, you work for another restaurant and learn where the pitfalls are. And she did that. And then the great thing that she did for me, and she still does, is she shares her information. She shares her contacts. She has a podcast. She talks to people all the time. You know, she's not, she doesn't come from a fear-based mentality. She comes from a, a generous mentality. And that's the kind of mentor that I wish everybody could have because it's, it's been wonderful. And it's a friend. She's a friend. So it's, you know, Sandra Velasquez, no Valera, putting a plug for her in now. Verona, have you, have you had any mentors, Verona? Uh, more about um, personal mentor because I think in order for us, we are already minority. And for in in order for us to stay strong and continue grow the business, we have to have a very healthy and a balanced lifestyle. 
Um, so I do have personal mentors that um, more we are talking more about uh, um, spirituality, more about energy, more about uh, positive views, vision board, and which which that way I can um, balance and I can strengthen myself, empower myself to face my daily to face my daily um, tasks. Rhonda, have you had any mentors? Have you benefited from any mentorship? Um, I've had mentors, personal mentors, um, and businesses that I've been involved in um, that have been great. Um, just even, especially, I have another uh, woman in business that um, was a personal mentor of mine that really helped me uh, move forward and have the confidence to be a part of the business world um, when I was pretty young. So, um, yeah, mentors are very important and I think very helpful for everyone. Does Caesars have any mentorship protege program? Uh, they do. Yeah. Um, there's a ton of different uh, mentor programs and being part of, you know, being someone else's mentor as well. Um, they're big on um, just, you know, we're big in diversity. We're big in sustainability. We're big in mentorship. It's it's um, a really support, you know, driven company. So um, let's throw out uh, maybe everybody look in their crystal ball and and think about the next coming years. Um, are there any trends or any um, things that you see, foresee that can help benefit your businesses moving forward? No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Verona. Okay. Um, I've been uh, joining uh, so many food shows and actually we just went to the uh, uh, Western hospitality shows and we finished it yesterday and uh, we I've seen a lot of um, plant-based product and uh, which um, will benefit my business because I'm not a vegan vegan company but I'm a vegetarian company Uh, we don't sell any uh, animal portings or animal products so I think this will be a really positive sign and a positive direction. Um, and I see, yeah, plant-based items is the trend that uh, I've seen um, recently. Cindy? Yeah, I know. I agree with that. And, you know, especially even last year and the year before at Expo, it was always about plant-based. And I think that's, you know, due to the environment and meat, you know, cows causing methane gas in a simplistic way that's straying away from me to supporting the environment or animal products. So, you know, just sustainability continues to be the trend. I don't know that this is a new trend that's starting now. I think these are just trends that are growing, sustainability and plant-based. And Rhonda, are you seeing that as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, Plant-based is huge always. Um, It's been... In every show that I've been at, it's been a very large group of, uh, of vendors that are plant-based. There's so many out there now from, you know, just plant-based to, like, get rid of meat, but to also um, plant-based dairy, uh, plant-based you know, ice creams and things that you wouldn't even think of, plant-based sushi, um, you know, for people that have dietary problems as well. Um, there, it's very, very large right now. Um, I'm also seeing a lot of, you know, colorful and bright natural color foods, a lot of different exotic fruits coming out to the table and, um, definitely a lot of international flavors being brought back, um, to the table. I just attended, uh, 
breakout session with a spice company. Um, and a lot of their new trends are um, international flavors. So that was good to see. Is that something that everybody is seeing this um, kind of uh, the consumer is being more um, adventurous when it comes to spices and, and, and they're looking for something new or exotic or something that maybe they had never heard of before? Yes. Yeah, definitely seeing that. I'm seeing cardamom everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> happy about, but you know, I love cardamom, so that's fun. But you know, a couple of years ago, I was seeing ashwagandha everywhere as an adaptogen. So it's it's fun, you know. I mean, I love seeing all these things that are in my cupboard that are appearing all around. So it's great. Now, what, how do you, um, as a business owner, uh, especially of a, a smaller emerging brand, how do you kind of know when it's time to try one of these things that you're seeing as a trend and, and, and protect yourself from it being something that's here today and gone tomorrow? Um, I don't know that that is even a process that I go through because when I formulated, I, for, I went to cooking school and I worked at a restaurant called Chez Penny's in Berkeley. So I made the drinks in my kitchen and they're, that's why they're clean label with five ingredients or less. And I made what I wanted to make and what I thought would taste good. They happen to have turmeric. One skew happens to have ginseng and the other one has holy basil. And this was about four years ago. So they're trending now. Um, I don't think it's about trying to chase a trend. You know, it's really about creating something that's true to the brand and true to the creator and then sticking with that. And, you know, when you're a small brand, you can't really create and launch new SKUs and test things. You just have to, you know, create the best product you can and get behind it. But it really is about being authentic and creating that product that, you know, you know in your heart is the right product. Verona? Um, I think on that aspect, I'm pretty lucky. I don't chase chase the trend. Um, I work very closely with my buyers, and uh, actually a lot of time that they request me um, to um, source some products for them. Um, they see their distribution, maybe need certain items that they think I have the ability to create with them, and they will ask me to do that. And uh, of course, I will always add my own concept in there. So the product they ask me to sourcing is fitting my concept. So um, so I work closely with my buyers, um, not necessarily follow the trend as well. Yes. So sometimes I would imagine that you... you go and create something and then maybe it, it has a slow launch but over time it kind of builds a following exactly exactly uh, i don't have that uh, lottery <laughs> i never had that lottery experience it's always take it slow i would say two three years would be a very unreasonable amount of time for me to build a ysq or that category yes did you know that when you first started that you'd have to have that level of patience? Yes, because I've been in this industry for over 25 years. Um, so I've seen the items that need some time to build. So usually I give my new item two to three years. Cindy, has that been your experience as well? Uh, well, I've only been in this business, you know, I put my products on the shelf in June 2020. So 
I frankly don't have, you know, I only have the experience that I have. And, you know, I'm impressed by having the 20 years of experience that, you know, that could really enlighten how you create a product. But, but so far, you know, I've had such great reception and I believe that it's coming from that cooking school culture of using the best ingredients and making something delicious that people respond to. And it doesn't have to be on trend per se. So you're, so everything you put out has been kind of progressed in a manner you're happy with, or has some things just not worked at all? So you've had, I don't have marketing dollars, but you know, I, I just feel like I know my customer and if I had marketing dollars, you know, I could probably have a bigger conversation about it, but you know, I have this collagen infused rosé that I knew people who are drinking wine don't want empty calories necessarily. So I thought, how can I make a low alcohol wine with 60 calories and zero grams of sugar and a boost of wellness? How can I get that out into the market? So I just, you know, I, the reception that I've gotten from test results has been extremely positive and the reception from the drinks the you know, kind of like Rhonda described staying in retail for a marketing experience, the wine is piggybacked onto the drinks. And then the my supplements that I have for women recovering from breast cancer, which don't really apply to, you know, the market that we're talking about, food and beverage, but my customers are looking for that type of product as well because it supports bone health and osteoporosis. Breast cancer treatments cause bone loss. I've had seven friends, including my mother, recover from breast cancer, and so I know a lot about bone loss, and I worked with an oncologist to create that product. So they all kind of link together in an interesting way, and I don't even know if I'm answering your question anymore. (laughs) um, (laughs) You mentioned the wine. So how did that wine come about? Like you partnered with a vineyard? And then yeah, you- I was drinking a glass of wine and I threw in a big scoop of collagen and stirred it up and it disappeared. And I thought, well, there you go. You know, there's the product. So I found I grew up in Northern California and I knew a little bit about the wine business and wineries from my restaurant experience. So I found a custom crush where they do your own bottling and we worked with them. And it was not easy to create a wine that could have collagen in it because the Bureau of Tobacco and Alcohol does not make it easy to create a wellness alcohol. They don't want alcohol to be perceived as a health product. I get it, you know. It's like, you know, candy-flavored cigarettes for kids or something. But, you you know, this is a low-alcohol wine with a small amount of collagen. So I was able to, after about a year, get it pushed through. And that, you know, that took up the whole wine budget right there. So I'm hoping that, um, I have an offer out to a couple of uh, celebrity brand ambassadors and seeing if I can get that person to launch the collagen wine into the market. So how do you go about developing a partnership like that? Was it just like you just were shopping for a vendor or you had to find the right person who kind of had to be open to this type of concept? The winery? Right. Uh, I just called you know i just had a list of wineries that did custom crush crush and i called a lot of people were like what you know what we can't do you know thought it was crazy but i found a fantastic winemaker that was really open to doing something different 
And, you know, people get bored doing the same job over and over, bottling this wine, bottling that wine. And they were really interested in doing something new and fresh. And I had a fantastic label design. So I sent them the label and then they saw what the product would look like. You know, when people can see it, then they understand it. It's hard to see it when it's just words. Now, Rhonda, in your experience, have you seen that kind of these kind of unusual mashups where two seemingly, um, you know, totally different products come together and form this unique product that, um, you know, maybe has never been done before? Oh, yeah. I'm seeing it more and more, um, especially like, you know, with things that are not only health-based, but even vanity-based, you know, um, even things like putting glitter in wines and, you know, maybe glitter as a, a topping on a cupcake. Um, you know, just look at the Barbie trend right now, you know, everything pink. It's like, you'd be surprised what they can come up with. Um, people come up with some very interesting ideas, but just like I was mentioning earlier, who would have ever thought that I'd be eating plant-based sushi, um, you know, trying that at a show, uh, that was definitely never in my, (laughs) in my wildest dreams. So, uh, it's very interesting to see what type of, um, things they can come up with, but I see it a lot. Absolutely. And is that a, a situation in your world at Caesars that maybe um, you'll you'll discover an ingredient or a product and then you share with a chef and the chef then takes it and then creates this whole new thing using that as an element of a larger product? It could be. I mean, with the mashups, you know, on my side, there's not a whole lot um, for, you know, the things that I look at that, that can go with, but you never know, you know, and you just don't know what these chefs can do, um, what these products, um, you know, like infused products or, you know, what have you. It's it, it. I completely promote it and say, go for it. If you can find something new, um, like Cindy said, it, people get bored, you know, with just the regular everyday thing. And that's where really cool items like this come up. Good stuff. Well, um, we're getting ready to wrap. Verona, if somebody wants to learn more uh, about your firm, what is the website? What is the best way to get a hold of you or somebody on your team? Thank you very much. Yes, uh, my website is littlejasminefood.com or ourroyalkitchen.com. So um, they can go in there and check our product. And we also have contact information there. And uh, we are small operation, small business. So um, definitely we, uh, we reply um, quickly um, to our consumers. Cindy? Uh, my website is purewildco.com, purewildco.com. And you can reach me at cindy at purewildco.com. And, you know, everything is on the website, email and contact. So there you go. And Rhonda, if somebody wants to learn more about Caesars, the website for Caesars, and maybe the best way to get a hold of you. Yeah, um, I definitely encourage everyone to go on Caesars.com and check it out. Um, I think everyone that isn't really familiar with Caesars Entertainment uh, doesn't realize how many properties that we have across the nation. Um, you can go on and see everything that we own from east to west coast. It's a pretty large uh, list of places. And um, to contact me directly, you can contact me at rbuznardo at com. Well, ladies, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're each doing very important work, and we appreciate you. Thank Thanks. you very much.
much. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was fun. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Women in Motion. Thank you.